I'm Pastor Corey, and you're listening to the Orange United Methodist Sermon Podcast. We're a church in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that wants to help you find your place in God's story. And we hope this sermon can guide you along that path. Visit orangemethodist.org to find out more information about location, service times, upcoming events, and ways to give. We hope you enjoy. Good morning, church. I'm Adam Seat, and I'm one of the pastors here at Orange United Methodist Church. I am so thankful that you have chosen to join us in this time of worship today. It's so important that we find these ways that we might still remain connected to one another. So I encourage you, if you're watching this on the Facebook platform, share there in the chat box with one another greetings, letting one another know that you are together. I even encourage you, as we have said before, to share this video with your friends and your family because they may be in a spot right now where they need to find that hope, hoping on. And so thank you for being a part of this today. Let us pray. Oh God, our Father, we give thanks for the way that you truly are omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. Lord, you are in all your majesty and all your power and all your glory. You are the Lord of all. And so as we gather in this time, we pray, Lord, that you might speak to us. As we give thanks for your holy word as it has been read by Rachel, Lord, may it now be made real for us as it is proclaimed. By the power of your Holy Spirit, would you transform the words that proceed from my mouth, and as they fall upon our ears and penetrate our hearts, may they be changed into the word of God that we need to hear today as individuals and collectively as one body. Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Back in January of this year, I attended a conference in Orlando, Florida called the Creativity and Ministry Conference. This conference was put on by an organization that incorporated Disney cast members and Disney execs into our teachings and workshops so that we might be able to see how we might be as creative as possible within God's kingdom. I actually attend this attended this same conference 11 years ago, and I found it to be such a fruitful blessing for me that a few years later, I registered and planned on taking some of the staff at the church that I was working at. However, just a few weeks before the conference was to take place, we received notice that the conference had been canceled. And so I was so disappointed. And then when they still had it the following year, I was not going back. But I thought this year I felt a special pull to go to that conference. And so I registered and was able to attend. And what an amazing timing to attend a conference calling on us to be creative in ministry in January of 2020, only two months before we would be thrust into circumstances requiring us to be as creative as possible to do ministry. And now, trying to be a faithful, lifelong learner, I'm now taking a class online called How to Lead in Crisis. 
Now, I've only so far gone through two of the sessions. I've watched the video and done the homework. One session was called Leading Yourself Through Crisis. And the image was used in that lesson about how the instructions that you receive from a flight attendant before you take off on your plane, that if the airbags were to fall, for you to place it first upon yourself and then for you to attend to a child that may be sitting beside you. The lesson being, you can't take care of someone else unless you can take care of yourself first. That was one that resonated for me and such an important reminder for practicing self-care in these times that before we can care for someone else, we must demonstrate that same care for ourselves. Now, in one of those two sessions that I've gone through so far, there was something that the instructor said that, I got to admit, it really hit me. He said in the video, God knew that the coronavirus was coming. I didn't, but God knew that this was coming. And even when God knew that this was coming, he still made me to be a leader in this season. He made me to be a leader in this season for such a time as this. And I am right where I belong. (laughs) I got to admit, I'm watching the video. I'm hearing him say those things. And I'm thinking to myself, me? (laughs) No way. I am certainly not equipped to lead in times like this. I know how to lead the old way, but... I certainly don't know how to lead in the age of Zoom. I mean, some of y'all know, I just had a birthday last Sunday, and I'm halfway to 98. I'm too old for this. I don't belong in these times. (laughs) Maybe you, maybe you have even felt like you don't belong in these times. Maybe you have had some of those same me kind of moments. Parents who are trying to figure out how to use the technology to work from home all the same time that you're also having to monitor and supervise your students participating in virtual learning from home. (laughs) Or maybe you're a teacher and have experienced teaching for years upon years, and now you're having to try to figure out how to make sure that the assignments are accessible to the kids at home, not even able to understand if it's really getting through. Or maybe you're a person who's used to helping and serving others, but now you have found yourself just having to be so isolated at home. And I go back to what I said just a few moments ago. God knew that this was coming, and he still made you to be a leader in this season. He made you to be a leader for such a time as this. Now, in the book of Judges, Gideon has what I think of as one of those me kind of moments. In the book of Judges, we see that there is this cycle that continues to go on and on and on, over and over again, repeating itself. It begins with the people of Israel being faithful. They are faithful to God and they are feeling comfortable and everything seems to be good. 
However, at some point, that faithfulness begins to fall away. They begin to ignore God or even turning to other idols. And so while they began faithful, they begin to fall away. Well, then once they have fallen away, they begin to have to suffer the consequences of their actions. Those consequences many times take the form of oppression from other nations that are begin to oppress the people of Israel. But it is the consequences of their actions of falling away from God that they now are having to deal with. And so ultimately, those consequences lead them to crying out in repentance. The people of Israel recognize the ways that they have fallen and that that is the consequences uh, that they are suffering from. And so they cry out to God and repent of the ways that they have fallen. Ultimately, God then will raise up a deliverer, or as we know it in the book of Judges, a, a judge who will come and deliver them, leading them to faithful. Faithful which then leads to falling away, which then leads to consequences, which then leads to crying out in repentance, which then leads to God raising up a deliverer back to faithful. That cycle is played out over and over again in the book of Judges. And in Judges chapter 6, we see, as it begins in verse 1, it says that the sons of Israel did evil, in the sight of the Lord. Now, it doesn't identify in particular right here what that evil was. Was it that they were falling away by being ignoring God? Was it that they were falling away by turning to false idols? We learned that to be the case later. But here, as the people of Israel have gone from faithful to falling away, they have now cried out after suffering the consequences of the people of Midian overwhelming them and oppressing them. And so God sends an angel. God sends an angel of the Lord to Gideon. And through that angel, it says in verses 14 and following, as Rachel read, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and deliver Israel from the hand of Midian. I hereby commission you. I'm sending you. He responded, but sir, how can I deliver Israel? Me? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least of my family. The Lord said to him, But I will be with you, and you shall strike down the Midianites, every one of them. Now, I sort of feel like sometimes Gideon gets a bad rap because, you know, Gideon's always seeking confirmation. Maybe you thought Gideon was known for putting Bibles in hotels everywhere. No, Gideon had nothing to do with that. But Gideon is this one that God calls to deliver his people. And Gideon's one that just says, me? I'm the smallest of the small. I'm the least of the least. And so Gideon, he wants this confirmation because he can't understand how God would call someone like him. And so Gideon asked the angel of the Lord that has told him all this stuff that's going to happen. And 
Gideon asked the angel to wait there while he prepares a meal. And he prepares this meal and he presents it before the angel. And as soon as he does, immediately this great fire arises and consumes the meal. And it immediately is gone and so is the angel. Gideon takes that to be the sign that this truly was a message from the Lord God Almighty. And so now Gideon knows that this was of God. And so Gideon does this act of repentance. He goes and follows the message that the angel had given to him, that he was to go into the village, into the community, and tear down the false idol that has been built up, the community idol. And this tearing down of the idol is a required act of repentance. And so now, following the repentance, there must be an act of deliverance. You know, the next things that, I'm sure you know the next signs that Gideon asked for. First, it was that the fleece would be on the ground of the threshing floor and that the fleece would be wet and the ground around it would be dry. And you know, God does it. (laughs) And so then you know what Gideon does. He asked for another sign. Only this time for it to be the opposite. Yeah, this time, how about the floor be wet and the fleece will be completely dry? How about that one, God? You know, I think we all can probably relate at least a little bit to Gideon. We want God to give us these signs. We want confirmation that what we feel that maybe God is calling us to, that God can provide a reassurance. I know I can relate to that. Back when I was dealing with my call to ministry, I was struggling. Is God calling me to be a minister? All my life, I was told that I was going to be a minister just like my dad. And all my life, I had refused and said, no, not me. But finally, I felt that pull. I felt that calling. And I was struggling and battling with it. I'll never forget, Jennifer and I were at Myrtle Beach As she was preparing for final exams in law school, she and a group of others had gone to the beach to just get away from it all, to just focus on their studies, and I tagged along. And so one night, I walked out onto that beach. And as I was staring up into the stars and the moon and listening to the wind and the waves, I remember praying. And I prayed, I said to God, God, I think you're calling me to be a minister, a pastor. But I'm not sure. If if you're calling me to be a pastor, would you have that water come up and wash over my feet? I stood there out on that beach, people walking up and down late at night, and I'm the one standing there on the shore singing as I stared into the stars in the dark of night. And soon I looked down and realized The water had washed over my feet. And so I did the only logical thing, just like Gideon. I backed up and said, okay, God, this time I'm serious. Give me another sign. I said, God, this time I really mean it. If you're calling me to be a minister, once again, have that water wash over my feet. I don't know how long I stood there looking into the stars and the moon until I finally realized that the water was over my ankles. And I knew. 
At that point, I felt I knew. I remember walking back to the condo and speaking with Jennifer and telling her, I think, I, I think, I know that God is calling me. I think that Gideon might have had those same kind of doubts, those same kind of questions. It may not have made sense, just like it didn't make sense why God would call me. For Gideon, it may not have made sense why God would call him. But Gideon knew as God provided those signs. And so, for this act of deliverance that God was calling Gideon to do, Gideon has called for the armies to come and gather and assemble so that they might be able to take on the Midianites, which was a formidable foe. And so 32,000 soldiers gather and assemble. But you know what? God tells them, no, no, that's too many. For if they fought, Israel would become boastful and saying, my own power has delivered me. (laughs) So they send away 22,000 of them. God says, send away all who were fearful and trembling. And 22,000 leave, leaving behind only 10,000. Which, for Gideon, that probably still didn't seem like a fair fight because the Midianite, Midianite army is described as being as numerous as locusts and their camels were without number, as numerous as the sand on the seashore. And here he is with 10,000. And God still says, no, that's still too much. I want you to know that when victory comes, it's not by your might. When victory comes, it's by my might through you. And so that number dwindles down once again from 10,000 to 300. Do you realize they went from 32,000 to 300 and 300 were to take on with the might and power of God the Midianite army that was massive? And sure enough, God brings them victory. God knew what was coming, and God called Gideon. He called the least of the least. Because if God only called the greatest of the great, the mightiest of the mighty, then we would think that we did things by our own might, by our own power. And through God, throughout the scriptures, we see how God continues to call on the least likely people you would ever expect The book of Judges is full of numerous examples of God calling the last person you would have thought that he would have called upon. But then look at who Jesus called to be his followers, his closest disciples. The last people you would have expected that God would have called. And then if you could have predicted who would have written the majority of what would become known as the New Testament... I'm pretty sure Saul, a murderer of followers of Christ, I'm pretty sure Saul, who became Paul, would not be high on our list. It's called God does not always call the greatest of the great, the mightiest of the mighty. Because people like Gideon, because people like me, because people like you, God wants us to know it's not by our might, 
God wants a servant willing to understand that it's only in our weakness that God is made strong. God is calling you to be a deliverer to the people that he has placed you around. You are right where you belong. Maybe you feel maybe you feel like you're out of place. Maybe you feel like you're ill-equipped and unprepared. <laughs> we all do. And that's why we surrender to the one who equips, the one who sins, the one who can do all things. May you be willing to understand how God has you right where you belong. Let us pray. God, you didn't put us into the positions that we find ourselves in right now because you called the greatest of the great. We're in the positions and circumstances that we're in right now because you know that we know we can't do this on our own. Lord, I pray that today you might offer us that hope, that hope for belonging, that even though we feel so ill-prepared, even though we feel so ill-equipped, that you, you are all we need. And that through you and through our circumstances, your glory will be made known. Lord, we offer these things in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, and through the power of the Holy Spirit and all of God's people said, amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Please join us again next week. In the meantime, you can find us online at orangemethodist.org.